Welcome to the Govern This Podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people, where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I talk with Philip Davidson of the BCPS Employees for Freedom. anything yet. The BCPS Employees Freedom stands for medical privacy and bodily autonomy and for workers' fundamental employment rights. You know, I, I don't know if we'll get there, but if we kind of allow this sort of thing to happen or we accept this as normal or yeah. okay, then we've lost something important in our society. I think like Okay. So what's going on here in BC? And why would such an organization need to actually exist? Well, it turns out hundreds of dedicated government employees are on the chopping block and have been in limbo since the end of November 2021 for not complying with the mandate to share their vaccination status with their employer. I asked Philip Davidson from the admin team of the society to sit down and to talk about the situation. We get into why the group came together, what the society is working on and fighting for, and why this is actually a very important cause. Now, Philip's an interesting guy. He's engaging, inspiring, and he has quite a diverse background. Stick around to the end for some inspiring thoughts from Philip about his work in public service, what it means to him, and why he wants to continue doing it. You'll also hear about the Premier's Award that him and his team won in kind of an oddly timely fashion at the end of last year. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as you can. I hope that uh, you learn more about what's really happening with this unfortunate situation that has largely flown under the populist radar. And I hope in the end, you'll actually consider supporting the cause financially and going to their website to donate. Um, their website is bcpsforfreedom.com. You can find out more information there and to watch some enlightening and powerful video testimonies from employees affected by the mandate, go to their YouTube channel, BCPS Employees for Freedom. Now on to the podcast with Philip Davidson. Today I've got Philip Davidson on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Cam. Um, we are going through something in BC, British Columbia here. Uh, at the end of this COVID world. And you are part of the BC Public Service Employees for Freedom, right? That's right. And I guess I am as well. That's right. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about what's been going on so that people who don't know about this at all can get an understanding from the beginning. Because this is, it seems like people are hearing about it now but they haven't known that it's been going on for what, four months, five months? Yeah, something six, like that. No, I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's just start off with do you want to give your background, who sure. you are? Okay, let's start there. Sure. Um, so I've been with the BC Public Service for 14 years, uh, started in 2007, and have worked in a variety of different 
policy roles in government in different ministries. So starting at the Ministry of Education, and then after that, briefly, Ministry of Attorney General, and then Ministry of Health for about six years. And then for the last three and a half years, I've been with the Ministry of Advanced Education and Skills Training as uh, Director of Policy and Stakeholder Relations with Student Aid BC, which is the uh, provincial territory or federal provincial student financial assistance program. Okay. So student loans and grants. And so I've been uh, leading the policy efforts for, for that program. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you've been, you've been, uh, you've had a solid career. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I've enjoyed my time like working in government. It's been yeah. super interesting. I didn't really have any specific plans to end up working in government. I yeah. went to school at university and I studied uh, Spanish uh, Hispanic studies, so Spanish hmm. literature and history and language and all of that. Um, and uh, so you're you know, a bit of a romantic. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I love literature. I love yeah. like history and um, and yeah, we could get all into that if we want to. Um, uh, so you know, I learned how to like read and write and think and argue and like okay. these kinds of qualities that are useful it turns out, uh, for working in policy and government right. later. Uh, right. But I didn't do like, which is pretty common for people, like a MPA, Master of Public Administration, and oh, kind of okay. go, go work in the government. I did a, um, a BA in Hispanic Studies and then a Master's of Arts in, uh, in the same field. And I studied in Spain and lived there for a couple of years. And so, yeah, that's... And then so when I, when I finished uh, my undergraduate degree, I... Uh, Worked a series of odd jobs in retail and, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, what did I do? I, uh, you know, worked in a bakery and a gas station and a car rental place and a Uber uh. winemaking place and a tobacconist. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, it was kind of interesting for a little while. <clears throat> I taught English too in Spain, but then I kind of realized maybe I need to find something that's more career-like. And, uh, my mother actually worked for the BC Public Service, so was aware of that as an option uh, for someone living in Victoria. Okay. And yeah. uh, so I ended up starting uh, on an auxiliary position with the Ministry of Education as a provincial transcript clerk. So when people needed to get their transcripts or high school transcripts to go to university or college, they would uh, they put in a request and I'd be the one printing it off and at that time putting in an envelope and sending right. it in the mail to them or to their, uh, to their university or college. Yeah. So... That's so how I started. explain what, like, I know what auxiliary means, but a lot of mm. people don't know how that works with government. So, and I'd like to get into some of the, the terminology too, just yeah, when we begin sure. here. So maybe start with auxiliary for public service and yeah. what public service means. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's start there. So public service, you might hear that a lot, like on TV or in the news. And it's often like politicians referring to themselves and what they do. And that is a form of public service. But there is also the people that work in nonpartisan, non-political roles in government and uh, help to deliver the services that citizens rely on every day and uh, in a variety of different capacities. So um, as we know, when we have elections and governments form, they sort of take control of the bureaucracy or the civil service. Right. Uh, the various different ministries and departments and offices and agencies that, uh, let's say in this case, are part of what the provincial government does. 
And those departments and ministries and agencies have specific roles. Let's say it's Ministry of Environment or Transportation or um, Education or Health. And the people that work in those ministries are public servants. Okay. So they're they're non-political um, and non-partisan, and they are there to serve the democratically elected government of the day uh, and implement their policies. Or in some cases, like uh, the work that I was doing um, as a policy professional to help government develop the policies oh, okay. that they want to implement. So government will come in with uh, a mandate and a, a, a platform that they ran on and programs and initiatives that they want to undertake. And then those have to be translated into policy and programs and actions that government actually delivers. So mm -hmm. policy people in government work on those things and help um, government arrive at the specific things they want to do by developing options and recommendations. And, and then when government makes their decision, implementing that. Right. So public servants are kind of like the on the ground people for the government in a sense. Yeah, they're like kind the of. hands and arms and feet and they make the things happen yeah. that we see that government does and how many roughly <laughs> do you know how like how many people are in like it, say bc yeah so uh in the bc public service for yeah. the provincial government um i understand it's on the order of approximately forty thousand. Forty thousand. okay yeah. so that's a significant amount of people mm -hmm. right okay so Let's go to the auxiliary now. So when you start in a type of position for a government, you can either just get the job mm -hmm. <laughs> or you get auxiliary and that's yeah. on call, right? Yeah. Guys... So it means that you're not a permanent full-time employee with all of the privileges and benefits mm -hmm. that that sort of brings, but you are working perhaps even full-time, a full-time schedule, um, but you're not technically considered a full-time employees. So right. I started off like that. Yeah. And um, I think it's also if you work a certain number of hours continuously over a period of time, um, as an auxiliary employee, you can be made a permanent full-time employee yeah. after that. Yeah. But don't you, quote me on the specifics. Or you at least get benefits and pension yeah. starts and stuff. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Medical, dental, extended health benefits, yeah. pension benefits, things like yeah. that. Yeah. But you're kind of like a on the side person until you, yeah like you if get. for whatever reason they needed to let you go they could do so mm. more easily than right. if you weren't uh, auxiliary yeah. right right mm -hmm. okay so let's go into now what's what uh bc p s e f <laughs> <laughs> well done that's a good uh good acronym now for a government yeah, person yeah. the employees for freedom group uh why did it come about? So um, this group began in the fall of last year. So the fall of 2021. Um, your listeners may recall that in the summer of uh, 2021, I think in late August or so, uh, the provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, announced that um, for, starting, I believe, September 13th, there would be a BC vaccine card requirement mm -hmm. uh, to enter into certain public spaces in BC, uh, restaurants, uh, bars, things of that nature. And uh, so that was introduced in September. And then at the beginning of October, um, the head of the BC Public Service, um, uh, Ms. Laurie Wanamaker, uh, 
announced that there would be that same requirement uh, to prove one's COVID-19 vaccination status uh, to remain employed with the BC Public Service. So would, and that would affect the 40,000 people? Yes. Okay. Yep. yep. And so that was announced at the beginning of October with an implementation timeline of uh, November towards the end of November, everyone who worked the 40,000 for BC public um, service would need to uh, prove their, that they had received the two doses of the COVID-19 vaccination uh, by November 22nd or else be placed on leave without pay mm -hmm. and possibly terminated after three months. Right. So why is that a problem? Yeah, it's a very good question. <laughs> Um, I'd say for, and, and, and the BC public service will say this, uh, the vast majority of people, it, it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. They either had already, um, taken that step and, or were maybe planning to do it. Uh, and so, and we're perhaps comfortable with, with sharing that with the employer. Uh, but for other people, um, for a variety of reasons, didn't feel comfortable either um, getting vaccinated or getting vaccinated and sharing that information with the employer. So right. re revealing their vaccination status by yeah. showing the BC vaccine card, because some people, including myself, very concerned about uh, medical privacy mm -hmm. and um and sharing that private information uh, with the employer. And so, so that, that was basically the impetus for a group of people who are BC public servants to get together and to organize a group to uh, respond to that new policy. Right. And it just kind of came out of, out of a bunch of people saying, we don't want to do this, right? <laughs> just yeah. Like, let's, let's talk about it and what can we do? Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because I was watching um, all of this play out and I wasn't directly involved at all with, with the group that began to form, right. although I was kind of observing what they were doing um, and saw, you know, a website go up and people connecting online different ways. And it seemed to me they're motivated by strong principles of uh, medical privacy and bodily autonomy, medical right. choice and, and freedom. And uh, that's something that, that resonated with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that's what hit me too, is when they were like, you need to tell us about, and I'm like, that's, that's none of your business. <laughs> and I'm very worried about like, once you open that door, where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So, so that's why I'm part of the group. Mm. Um, so it's morphed over the time, right, that it started. Like I remember at the beginning, it was just chit-chatting and people trying to find like-minded people or, or people to kind of cry on each other's shoulder, I guess. Mm -hmm. like, what do we do here? Um, so what's happened since then? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess that, that's a big question. It is a big question. How much time do you have? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, so the group formed and um, and people, like you say, were people were very uh, shocked and caught off guard. I think by mm -hmm. what happened, they they weren't expecting this to to be a, a mandatory uh, policy that could yeah. end up in, in you losing your employment. And in some cases, you know, people spend 
most of or their entire career is with the BC Public Service, which is a very good employer and uh, it's very highly sought after by people looking for, you know, jobs in, in British Columbia. And so, you know, if people who have 25, 30 years of service and um, are kind of in this position now where they must make this declaration of their personal medical information and or lose their job potentially. So, yeah, it caught a lot of people uh, off guard. And so it took, I think, a little while for the group to, um, you know, figure out w- what to possibly do in response. And so, what, so, so the group wasn't just like a bunch of of new millennials or something working for the government. Like wasn't, it's not one like defining type of group, is it? Like you said, people yeah, working there for 25 years. That's what's quite interesting about and, the group because I think it, it reflects in many ways the diversity just of our population here in BC mm-hmm. because the public service itself is a reflection of the diverse population of BC. And so right. this group is sort of a subset of that and you have people from all different age ranges and backgrounds and um, experiences and orientations and professional disciplines. And so it really runs the gamut. So there isn't necessarily a whole lot that ties these people together other than this particular predicament that they're in. Right. Um, So, you know, but that that brought people together. And so um, I guess some of the initial things that the group did was to write um, some letters to the head of the public service Mm -hmm. and to others, I think the head of the um, BC General Employees Union, the BCGEU, um, to express their concern about about all of this. It is interesting, you know, I, I, in, in my ministry, I was aware of different policies and things that we had in place. Like we had a, a ministry communicable disease prevention plan. Okay. And in that plan, there was a section around confidentiality. And it says that, um, and this is quite interesting because the plan would had been last updated the day before the announcement of the mandatory proof of vaccination policy. Oh. And in the plan, though, it said that BC public service staff don't have the right to inquire about anyone's vaccination status. Uh, staff, clients, the public. And, but then the next day that changed. It became not only did they have the right, but they had the duty and the obligation, you know, to yeah. report it. So something changed uh, and it was a big surprise for a lot of people. Yeah. And um, most people have complied, uh, but a, a, a group of people have not and are facing the consequences now, yeah. including termination. So how many people are in this group, group roughly? Approximately right now, understand there's 500 registered members. So to become a member of the group, um, they can go online to uh, bcpsforfreedom.com and then go through a registration process. The group um, verifies people's identity and position mm-hmm. with the BC Public Service to make sure that it's there's someone who they say they are. Right. And that, that are on this cause, not just whatever like yeah well some not just a general member of the public but actually someone who works for the bc public service and so about 500 people or so have done that so yeah there's a website here and you go here and up top register so who can can people still join yeah absolutely and people are still joining actually every day um just because the nature of how this policy this mandate rolled out people were affected at different times Mm. so the people affected at uh, the earliest were put on leave without pay at the end of November 
um, my, my case, yeah. I was put on leave on November 23rd. Yeah. But there are people who were on other leaves, medical leaves or vacation or things like that. And they came back later and so um, ended up being placed on leave later. And so having the consequences fall from a little bit later. So they're still coming uh, to us um, now and to the group and, and signing up. Cool. Well, that's good to know. Um, we'll get into that maybe a little bit more later of who mm-hmm. can, how they can. And because I've got, I, I know some people that I'm like, I wonder if they could or would want to like, mm-hmm. um, but let's jump back for a sec. You mentioned Lori Wanamaker and you mentioned uh, Bonnie Henry. Mm-hmm. So let's start with just a little bit um, of politics for just to put things in perspective. So John Horgan is our premier of BC. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the the leader, the guidance, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Of the NDP party. And Adrian Dix, so he's elected. Yep. Yeah. Adrian Dix is health witch. <laughs> he's the minister of health. Minister of health. Yep. Okay. So so he's the head of the ministry of health then, I guess. Right? Is that Yeah. Yeah. Correct? He okay. is the person responsible um, at the cabinet table in BC for the administration of the public health care system. Okay. Yeah. But so, the day-to-day, I will say, there's ministers and then there's deputy ministers. And so there is deputy minister for every ministry and they they are like the CEO of that organization and they run the day-to-day. But the political oh. lead for each ministry is, is typically a cabinet minister. So there's a deputy lead for the Ministry of Health then? Yep. But we never see them. No, they the, the <laughs> deputy, yeah, like civil servants, you know, typically okay. work in the background, you okay. know, and uh, they they make things run. They're they're not so much in front of the cameras. That's not always the case. Um, Doctor Henry is is a civil servant herself. Okay, yeah, and and has taken a very prominent role in the management of the pandemic. Okay, so so yeah, Adrian Dix, he's elected, right? Yes. Yeah, but Bonnie Henry is not. No, she is appointed and serves at the. Uh, pleasure of the minister of the health of health yeah i remember hearing like uh brian peckford say something about like why is she talking <laughs> so that that made me confused because he's like adrian dish should be the one talking about everything like anyway you're like i'm not getting into that <laughs> yeah i'll say you know i'm i'm still a bc public servant and uh, yeah, still yeah. uh bound by the oath of employment and standards of conduct so yeah. i'm i'm uh, I'm committed to loyally serving the government of the day. And so I, I won't make any political remarks, but yeah. you know, that's, that's your prerogative as a <laughs> citizen and voter of BC. <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to understand how it works. Right. And yeah, for sure. Um, so then Lori Wanamaker is the head of the public servants. Yeah. She's as, the head of the BC a, public service and, um, deputy to the premier of British Columbia. So like, oh. like, Every ministry has a minister and a deputy. Um, she fulfills that function uh, as the uh, deputy to the premier. And she also has a third title, which is um, uh, cabinet secretary, I believe. So she's the head of the, the cabinet in a, in, a, um, in a functionary role. So she makes cabinet run. Cabinet is like the... Um, board of directors of the province of British Columbia. Okay. And on that board are all of the cabinet ministers and the premier. And so they meet in 
in what is called the executive council, which is cabinet to make decisions about, yeah, about the province. Okay. Because, yeah, I'd never heard of her before this happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, so she's the one who put the mandate down from, like, it was her decision or how does... Yeah, it, so in in all of the communication that has come uh, from from Lori Wanamaker to the public service, uh, she has said that it was a decision that she made on the advice of the provincial health officer, Dr. Henry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then I know of Stephanie <clears throat> of Stephanie Smith because she's the head of the BCGU, which is where I land. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are an excluded member, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. So there's, I guess, um, two basic types or classes of uh, BC public servant. Those Mm -hmm. that are members of a union. Are you starting a class system thing here? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't start it. (laughs) I'm just trying to explain it. Not very well. I I saw you wince a little when you said I know. It sounds bad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah so and and yeah it's it's complicated and a lot of people might not um know some of these things but um yeah so there there are employees the 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 bc public service has employees and some of those employees most of them actually belong to a union Mm -hmm. and so when their contract um is up for renegotiation and they're, you know, looking for a pay raise or different benefits and things, they have a union who negotiates on their behalf. Okay. And so for many positions in the BC Public Service, a condition of employment is that you become a member of the union. And then the union represents you in those contract negotiations. And they also represent you in other ways or are supposed to represent you in other ways when you have uh, difficulties or challenges with the employer. So you, as an individual unionized employee of the BC Public Service, don't negotiate on employment matters directly with your employer. Your union does that on your behalf. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then for you, you would go directly to your employer. Yeah. And so the other class of uh, BC Public Servants are what are known as excluded employees. And they um, tend to be more in sort of management or supervisory roles or in specific um, ministries or organizations of, of the provincial government where uh, there's a imperative that the employees not be members of the union, like in sort of labor relations kind of instances. Cause, oh, okay. Yeah. So this group, the BCPS, EF, the EF part's the hardest part <laughs> now anyway. <laughs> I, I, I say it like this, BCPSEF. Oh, that's way easier. Yeah, BCPSEF. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah, you got to find like the easy ways of saying those acronyms. <laughs> yeah, they roll off the tongue. That's good. That's good. So, um, it is. It has union members, and there's more than one union too in this group, right? Yeah, there are other unions. So the main union uh, representing BC public servants is the BCGU, BC mm-hmm. General Employees Union. There are others like the Professional Employees Association, smaller union okay. um, and then there are other unions uh, you know in BC and some of them uh, are active in in government settings government employment settings okay. as well yeah so there's a bunch of union there's uh, excluded members mm-hmm. and there's different ages people have been with with their job for like I was with so seven and a half years and you were 14 mm-hmm. in different roles um, people way longer like yeah um, 
a lot of people retired too because of this, didn't they? Instead of, they just were like, I'm ducking out. Yeah, I uh, I know of several cases personally myself of colleagues and friends in government who were near retirement but not planning to retire uh, right. in in the next year or two, but maybe three or four years from now. Um, but as a result of the mandate, they, for a variety of different reasons, didn't feel comfortable going through with it and complying and took the, um, reluctantly took the option of retiring early because that had uh, consequences for them in terms of their pension. Um, like how much they would get. Right? Exactly. Changes, yeah. especially in the last few years, isn't it? Like if you stop five years earlier or something, you'll get like half as much or something like that. Yeah, and I'm no by no means a pension expert, but as I understand it, your pension benefit, so in retirement, is based on the five years of highest earning that you had. Mm. And so like if you're towards the end of your career, likely making the most amount that you had been making in that career. Right. And um, so if you cut that short, it's going to have considerable impacts for your retirement. And so, yeah, I am aware that a number of people retire. We don't know exactly how many. Um, haven't seen any numbers come out from the BC Public Service Agency about that. Uh, but anecdotally, we know that there's many, many people who, who retired early and weren't planning to, but because of this did. Yeah. Are there people in the group that are retired, like that did go that route? Like. Yeah, um, and the group is certainly uh, open to yeah. having members, people who've retired. So it's both current and former BC public servants. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, okay, I think there's a pretty good background there. I'm going to ask the the question: Is this group just a bunch of anti-vaxxers and troublemakers? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I feel like people see it that way. Well, not I feel like some people might see it that way. Right. Mm. Like, why don't you just get it? Why don't you just you're causing the problem? You're, as I've heard from someone close to me, you're just making this harder for yourself. Yeah. Um, are they just silly people? <laughs> are you a silly person? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. And I don't think I'm a silly person. I hope I'm not. Uh, but no, you know, actually in the group, there are both vaccinated and unvaccinated people. What? Uh, yeah, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And there are people, uh, from my experience uh, in this pandemic in the, in the vaccination program, have got vaccinated for a variety of reasons. You know, there's people who have done it for health reasons and then people who've done it for other reasons, you know, mm -hmm. like they've wanted to travel or have the certain privileges that have come lately in the last number of months with having uh, or being vaccinated. Um, and then there's people who did it who solely for the reason of keeping their job. Right. Uh, actually, there was a, I think there's a lot that did that. Yeah, yeah. And so some, some of those people are, are members of, of this group and, and there there's been even members that have, have done video testimonials explaining that, that, you know, they're right. in a very difficult financial position. They have financial commitments, a family to take care of mortgages to pay all that sort of thing. And they couldn't possibly be in a position of losing their job or not, or being put on leave without pay. And so very, very reluctantly decided to, um, to go forward with the vaccination and not happy about that being put in that position. And so, um, decided to join that group. Yeah. 
So this isn't a group saying we're against the vaccine. No, not at all. It's a group about uh, medical choice and freedom. And so the group welcomes anyone, regardless of their vaccination status, and anyone who believes in medical privacy and, and bodily autonomy and the ability to choose. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's good. That's the the most important line, I think, <laughs> that we need to, to share with people there. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about videos. So what's happening? What what is the the Employees for Freedom group been doing over the past, let's say, couple months? I I kind of see it as like the thing happened in November. I took a holiday for two weeks. Then there's Christmas, and then I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> yeah. So and then I was trying to find my footing. So what's what's been going on? There's a website now, mm-hmm. and you talked about videos. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So the website is bcpsforfreedom.com. And uh, there you'll see a lot of uh, articles now and um, letters and links to employee stories and news releases about the group and its various actions. And so one of the things that the group kind of realized um, not too long ago now, but time moves quickly, uh, is that people aren't so aware of what's happening mm-hmm. uh, in the in the general public with with BC public servants and and these mandates. I mean, it's it's well known in in the healthcare sector. A lot of um, uh, healthcare workers have been terminated for right. not uh, getting vaccinated or proving their vaccination status. It's been in the news a lot, so people are quite familiar with that. Right. But people haven't really known the impact it's having generally across the the public service and the public sector. And so the group felt that, you know, needed to do a better job of kind of getting the story out there and individual stories of of people, public servants, human Mm -hmm. beings that this is affecting and also the impact that it it may be having on public services for the public. Um, And so there've been a series of short video testimonials put out yeah. by different employees and it's quite interesting to watch them because you you realize all of the different and amazing things that public servants do like you know from frontline work bc wildfire service yeah. to you know forestry management to um you know working in an office in victoria or in a in a bc cannabis store or whatever yeah. you know like there's such an amazing variety of things that that bc public servants yeah. do and they're just people like your family, your friends, your neighbors, you know, and yeah. they're real people. And they've been through a really, really difficult time. You know, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Um, uh, you know, the health and financial impacts have been huge. And so these are just people telling their story in a two or three minute clip. And there's a number of them up there now on the BCPS for Freedom uh, YouTube channel. And oh, I think yeah. there's more to more to come. Yeah. Yeah, shout that. I'm on the website right now, but yeah, there's a YouTube channel. But yeah, there's Florence from Public Safety and Oh yeah, Standard Florence. Yeah, General. she's a correctional officer. Okay. Um yeah, yeah. There's and a number of D social development, poverty, reduction. Yeah. Louisa, agriculture, food and fisheries. Mm-hmm. And then YouTube page, BCPS. We have uh, Instagram. uh, There's quite a following on Instagram as well. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. So um, what's happening now? 
Like mm. this has been going on. People were put on leave uh, without pay in at the end of November, most of them. Mm -hmm. And where are we at now? Let's yeah. So uh, that has happened, as, as you said. Um, people were put on leave without pay for three months and told uh, at the end of that time, if they do not get vaccinated, prove that they've had uh, the vaccinations, um, that they may be terminated. Mm -hmm. And actually what has transpired now is the government has moved to start terminate to start to terminate employees. Um, we are uh, presently um, petitioning BC Supreme Court for an injunction to at least temporarily pause the terminations uh, because we have uh, another petition that we've submitted for judicial review of the uh, government order and the human, re human resources policy that uh, mandates the proof of vaccination and, and, and al allows government to terminate people with cause, with just cause for not complying uh, with the policy. And so what that means is that the government can uh, fire people, terminate their employment and not owe them severance. Mm. And they get, um, uh, you know, it on their employment record, and so they're not eligible for employment insurance either. So it's it's a pretty punitive measure in our view, and that's why the I uh, and several other excluded employees uh, initiated a uh, a petition for injunction and judicial review, which is now before the courts. There was actually yesterday just um, the hearing on the on the injunction okay. piece. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a little dumb guy for a second. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what an injunction is and then the other term you used there? Yeah. <laughs> so like for people who don't know, like, oh, it's a, there's a court thing going on, but what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like what's an injunction? Yeah. So an injunction is... Uh, is an order that a court can give for um, uh, to, to compel an individual or organization to stop doing something, basically. So it's something that we're asking the court to compel the, pub, or the head of the public service or BC to stop. Yeah, that. we're, we're asking that... the court to grant an injunction to temporarily, at least until May, when the other, the second part of the case <clears throat> is scheduled to be heard. Oh, okay. Because there are people such as myself who under the current policy around proof of vaccination are eligible to be terminated right now. Right. Actually, I was eligible to be terminated on February 23rd. Today's March 26th and I haven't been terminated yet. Me as uh, well. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. <laughs> and I'm hoping not to be terminated. I would yeah. like to go back to my job and yeah. um, I think, you know, I was doing pretty well in my job prior to all of this and yeah. all of this has nothing to do with my job performance and right. um we'll get into it later but i was actually even given a, an award for work that i had done uh mm. and that award came shortly after i was put on leave without pay for something <laughs> totally unrelated so <clears throat> um, interesting timing yeah so yeah. we're a number of us are trying to see if we can maintain our employment and we hope and if asked repeatedly if if government would um, you know, change their minds about terminating us. And so far, so far they haven't. So we've uh, proceeded with the, the legal action. And so okay. the first part of that is just to ask a court to um, allow us to continue as 
employees on leave without pay, okay. um, still not you know going back to work, pending uh, a court hearing on the second part of the case, which is asking the court to review the the government's order and policy uh, for the its constitutionality, whether it meets uh, the standard under the Canadian Constitution Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Mm. Um, to be uh, a lawful order and policy. Okay, yeah. so that's that's in May, and that's the one that's that's more like what people would see as like the court case or something. Yes, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be and, a two day hearing uh, okay. in May, and yep. the injunction is to be like, can we just hold off on things until then? Because yeah. otherwise, it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of needs to go in that that order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're hoping that you know. Um, we can have our day in court. I, I was very reluctant to go to to this step, and mm -hmm. I was hoping that we could just kind of work it out with the BC Public Service because it is interesting that um, I believe almost every other province and territory in Canada now that had had proof of vaccination mandates for their public servants have rolled those back. Exactly, so they've yeah. brought all of their employees back to work, whether they had proved their vaccination or not. And they are now continuing to work, but BC it seems to be the only province that is is continuing down this path. Just hanging on to it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like the city of Vancouver even pulled theirs back. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, it's quite interesting. That was uh, last week or so, and city of Vancouver and city of Victoria as well. Yeah. And um, there was a reporter from CTV News, Robert Buffum, who was doing a story on that. And he actually came across the tweets of our lawyer, Omar Sheikh, right. with Chris Harmon, and, and saw that he was representing us and asked for a comment from Omar. And Omar said, sure, happy to do that. And I happened to be going into Omar's office that day to yeah. sign some papers and... In the the reporter was there saying, "Hey, do you want to comment on this?" And so I was actually interviewed about yeah. that, um, yeah, over a week ago on CTV News. Mm -hmm. And it is peculiar, you know, that these other jurisdictions, whether municipal or provincial, territorial, elsewhere, are reversing their mandates, allowing people to go back to work. But um, for the BC Public Service and, and the province of BC, uh, we're we're not allowed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, so you're an excluded member and you're on this petition. Mm -hmm. So, and there's only a certain number of people on it, right? Like, yep. Um, so <clears throat> that only affects you and, and the people on the petition or how does that work? Because there's all the union people. Mm -hmm. How do they, how are they going about dealing with this situation? Is mm -hmm. the union got their back? Are they fighting for them? What's going on with that? Yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, it's a very important uh, area of what's going on. So yes, the petition is um, right now for excluded BCPS employees, including myself. Uh, there are uh, a number of other excluded BCPS employees who are not uh, formally on the petition right now. However, um, the lawyers for the <laughs> province and the court have been notified that there are there are those people who would be joining the petition okay. at a later date for the judicial review um and uh so that question of how does this affect everyone else um 
it is a question and something uh, I, I can't really get too much into the case, okay. into yeah. the details, but it does have an impact in terms of uh, whether there's going to be an injunction to uh, pause the firings or not would uh, likely have some kind of impact for the rest of the uh, members and right. employees in, in that situation. Now, specifically um, for employees who are union employees, they, um, because they are union employees, cannot bring legal action directly against their employer. Um, if they have a dispute or a claim or a complaint to make, they have to go uh, through their union mm -hmm. and go through a labor relations process, like through the labor relations board right, okay. that manages those kinds of employer union employee disputes. And um, as of right now, and I, I can't speak entirely on behalf of the union members of uh, BCPS Employees for Freedom, but um, having spoken with a lot of them, I know they are not very satisfied with the representation right. that they've gotten from the BCGEU on this matter of proof of vaccination. They feel like they have been abandoned and that the union has not um, fought for them uh, around this mandate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when uh, to realize that the union's great unless the union's not helping you. <laughs> and then it's, it's a big brick wall in your way. And it, it's very surprising. It made me really wonder how unions began and, and where they're at now when mm -hmm. they're that would be a that's great a topic whole, for a podcast. A, yeah, that's a whole. And there's yeah. people you should you should invite to mm -hmm. have on that about that the labor whole labor movement. I think you'll find that you know kind of goes back to mm, the late 19th, early 20th centuries, and um, yeah, unscrupulous yeah. industrialists yeah. exploiting and taking advantage of uh, the working class, and so people the working class organizing to create these unions to collectively bargain mm -hmm. with the employer. And as you know, when there's more of you, there are larger numbers, you're more powerful vis-a-vis yeah. -vis yeah. another party. And so that's, I think, where the origin of unions come. And now they're highly sophisticated organizations with um, a very large revenue streams from the members because yep. union members, <laughs> of course, pay dues. And if you're a BC public service employee and a union member, like with the BCGU, you will note on your paycheck that there is an amount coming off um, every two weeks to, that goes to the union to fund their activities. Yeah. And it's not five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's almost like the BC PSAF. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, it's almost like they're the, it's almost like it's a new union. It's almost <laughs> like it's the right union or like, like, like how unions began like to stand up and, and speak for and protect and stuff. It's almost like <clears throat> it's a new version because it like came grassroots and it's, it's doing that. It's there for its members. I don't know if that's something we can say or not. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I can see that. I can see that perception. I, I won't it's, say that it that it is because yeah. um, right now it's just focused on this particular issue and campaign right. of um, advocating for people's medical privacy and bodily right. autonomy. Um, 
But I can see that, you know, uh, where people feel like the union that they are a member of or required to be a member of in order to, to be employed um, isn't representing them, then they might feel, you know, dissatisfied with the function that that union is filling for right, them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I won't say that this group has any intention or aspiration of becoming union at all, but, um, but it is, I think, performing an important function for people who have felt uh, abandoned and haven't had any help dealing with a very, very difficult situation that's affected them and their families. Mm -hmm. And um, we hope to support people as much as we can. We know this is a very difficult kind of struggle we're in. It's, I mean, it couldn't be any more David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I almost don't feel like really adversarial. I'm not adversarial about this. I just feel like people are maybe you know, uh, misguided or confused. Like I, the pandemic was very traumatic experience for a lot of people. There was a lot of fear that came out of this new experience we all had. And fear motivates people in a lot of different ways and some of them not, not very good and we can get carried away with ourselves, you know? Mm. And I think, I feel like that has happened a bit in terms of how we've reacted as a society. And so I think we need to find a way to not be so beholden to our fears and our worries and um and and to try and embrace more you know empathy and courage and love and respect for one another dialogue like what you're doing here with the podcast that's so important you know i think unfortunately are become so polarized and isolated we don't talk with each other and then of course with all of the social distancing and masking which you know may very well have been entirely necessary at certain points in this pandemic it's it's separated us so we don't really communicate with each other uh, enough and so well anymore and that's how we resolve things i think is through dialogue and that's always what we're about i think here in this particular struggle um we're just hoping that we can dialogue with the other side and find a resolution yeah for sure um what do you i, I picture a lot of people just saying like well why don't you just get another job and just move on and just leave this. <clears throat> There's other people that want those jobs. It'll take those jobs. Has it, it, it seemed like this isn't a trite thing, right? Like people's livelihoods, like <laughs> they're like people are losing homes and things like this isn't just a little problem, right? Um, what is the most important thing right now that people can do to help if they want to stand up or be a part of this or learn, I guess, watch the videos for one, mm -hmm. share the videos. Yeah. Um, what else can people do? Yeah. I mean, that would be wonderful. People wanted to watch the videos and, and read the articles and stories and things that we have at the uh, website. Um, we want to donate. donate, donate to the cause because you know, uh, we're, we're trying to do the best we can with uh, with our group and individual members, many of whom haven't had an income for a number of months, mm. including myself, both my wife and I are public servants and we haven't had a paycheck since the end of November. That's crazy, um, yeah. You know, we're fortunate that we have had some savings to rely on, but that is also diminishing quickly. And um, 
we're gonna have a baby too in a couple of months in May. So yes, we, we have to figure something out because we haven't been eligible for employment insurance because of how this has been rolled out. Right. And um, of course we're not getting paid. So yeah, so yeah no, the, the money is really though for our legal efforts to okay. fund the, um, the legal action that's being taken. And yeah, people can uh, check out our website. We're the, the group has been incorporated as a not-for-profit society. And so we're working towards um, opening up that membership for uh, people who are employees uh, in public sector organizations across the province. We just uh, have been really focused on, on the legal aspect of what we're doing. So we're working towards that goal because what, what, we feel like... What, what does that mean? Like, why did it have to become a number not for profit man i'm having trouble with words oh, a not-for-profit organization why did it yeah so to just formalize a little bit more what the group is doing um, you know being involved in in legal actions and um raising uh money through uh, crowdfunding and such it it just made sense to become a not-for-profit society that's um uh, run by its members uh democratic governance and so that's uh that's what has happened it's just been incorporated and the society will be developing a membership policy of who can become a member and participate mm. um the society has a mandate to uh defend bc public sector workers medical privacy and, and bodily autonomy and advocate for their individual rights and freedoms and and these things and so we anticipate there'll be a need for a not-for-profit organization like that going on into the future given okay. kind of what we see developing out right. in the world there yeah. uh yeah it's a bit easier to be like hey can you donate it's like well who are you <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it puts a more of a face to it and, yeah. and accountability for for managing those things yeah and that's just you go to the website here under donate and uh rally up yeah there? so right now there is a there's a crowd uh, fundraiser ongoing for bcps employees for freedom and people can go to the website and find out how to donate there through a rally up campaign there's also paypal and and all that mm -hmm. money is is going towards the, the legal efforts that that are underway okay and we are at there's a little bit of money in there yeah so the the members have really been contributing uh, lately, in particular, for um, some action that is anticipated um, in, in dealing with the, the union, with the BCGU, because mm -hmm. uh, they feel that they have not been represented and uh, need to go forward with um, some action to address that. I think it's important to note that, that there's like $36,000 in there right now. Mm -hmm. And so that proves that this isn't like just a few people <laughs> that like gave 10 bucks and are just kind of like you know what i want my job back or yep. it's it's there's a significant amount of people who are backing this and um and have a stake in it and believe in it so yeah oh there's that represents uh, hundreds of individual uh contributors and and some of them in very difficult um financial situation so mm -hmm. there's people there are members of the group who want to participate in that action with the with the union but um don't have the financial means to do so and so there are others who like to donate more than than the 200 contribution we're looking for to 
to participate as a member in that action. And so we are matching donors with, with people who want to participate. Oh, that's great. They are not able to. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, I imagine it would be difficult for people who are like, I, I can pay my mortgage this month, but I don't know about next month. Yeah. How do I drop money into this thing that, yeah, you know, um, it's, I can't imagine having a family or starting a family like you are mm. with this kind of backpack that I can't take off weighing me down. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's paused me and frozen me a little bit in the last few months, mm -hmm. but that's just me. Like yep. I, I, I just, when I hear other stories, I'm just like, wow, like I've, I've gotten through this fairly unscathed, but mm -hmm. some people it's just, it's heartbreaking what yeah. they, what they have to deal with. Um, what would you say to people who want to share it, want to tell people about it, put on Facebook, share Instagram and stuff like that. But they're like, I'm scared what my friends will think. <laughs> I'm scared. Like they'll be like, Oh, you're like that. Oh, you're supporting that. Why do you, what, what do you say to people like that mm -hmm. who are having that struggle? I get it. It's tough. I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, I don't know, judgment, I guess, around people who have different ideas or perspectives about what we've all lived through for the last two years. And that's hard, you know, I think we, we, we've got to strive to be a society where we can have an open exchange of perspectives and ideas, even mm -hmm. if they're not the ones that you share. And it's not good to kind of retreat into your own um your own ways of thinking and block out others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't, we don't uh, benefit so much from that. And in fact, we kind of go, I think in reverse. So yeah, it's difficult. And so, you know, um, I just encourage people to, to have those conversations with their friends. It feels like a lot of people don't think they can do that so much anymore with people. So they feel like, I know friendships and relationships have been damaged throughout this whole pandemic, you know? It's, and I, I kind of like lay the blame for that with the media. Like, I feel yeah. like the media, not like the media like this, what you do and other podcasters do, but like, you know, the traditional media, the six o'clock news, all that stuff really has created a lot of that fear and, you know, polarization in, um, in society. And it has broken down those, those connections that we've had with people. And it's sad. So I think it's just like, one person at a time, you know, like reach out that olive branch. We're not here to, to, you know, accuse each other or put each other down, but let's try and understand each other better. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. really good. Um, how would you define if you, if you were to tell somebody, um, they want to go talk to their friend about it. What's the concise way of saying what this group is and what they're fighting for and why it's important. Yeah, like, like give them a little elevator pitch that they can be like, okay, I don't have to think about this. I can just use Philip's words. Sure. <laughs> so I think the BCPS Employees for Freedom stands for medical privacy and bodily autonomy and for workers' fundamental employment rights. Because what has happened with BC government workers and many others is that a new term and condition of employment has been entered into their contract without their consent or any kind of consideration. And they are being disciplined on the basis of their non-compliance with that new term and condition to the point where they may be terminated with just cause 
not be eligible for severance or employment insurance benefits. So I don't think anyone would like to see that happen to anyone in any sector of the economy. And, and if this kind of goes forward, we could be living in a world where people's employment rights are fundamentally gone. Like it could just open a door that people could be changing contracts all the time. Just yeah. That, is that what you mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if we'll get there, but if we kind of allow this sort of thing to happen or we accept this as normal or yeah. okay, then we've lost something important in our society. I think like the social contract will almost have been broken right? Uh, because of something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping we don't get there. I hope we can kind of step back from the brink and uh, go back to a better uh, way <laughs> of doing things or move forward. You know, some people yeah. are more conservative minded and look, you know, fondly upon the past and others are more progressive minded and look forward to the future. Yeah. I think we can do both. Um, so that's what I'm trying yeah. to figure out how to do right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well, I think we can uh, wrap up here pretty soon. I have one thing, though. Um, so we lost our masks mm -hmm. La two weeks ago, last week. Not yeah, sure. March like 10th that. it was announced. I think March 14th maybe it came into effect. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago. Or um, maybe 11th it came into effect, yeah. Okay, so that's happening. And then the pass is going away at the beginning of April. Mm -hmm. How do you think is that... <laughs> it sounds funny, but is that a good thing for this cause? Like, how is this going to affect this issue? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think most people have the perception that, oh, um, you know, the the restrictions are being lifted now. There's no mask, you know, required mask or the uh, vaccine passport isn't required any longer for restaurants and such. Um, and so they'll think that that just applies universally across the board, mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually. So to be employed now by the BC Public Service, to remain employed or to get a job as a new employee, you will still be required to show your BC vaccine card, mm -hmm. an up-to-date one. Um, and that's at the same time when they're withdrawing it for other uses, like going to a restaurant. So right. I, don't, I don't quite understand the logic in that, but yeah. um, you know, and yeah. that that's what the employer has chosen to do. Do you think it's going to make it difficult to uh, bring awareness to what we're doing? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it does have some kind of impact, you know, because I've, I've felt sort of the beginnings of like a relaxation mm -hmm. in the social environment in Victoria. People, there's fewer people wearing masks, like at the grocery store and stuff. And so, and and some of these people are even kind of like, starved for like conversation with people like i was just like, <laughs> grocery shopping with my wife the other day and this nice uh, older gentleman comes up and just says oh i love you guys smile and like my wife's pregnant so like oh i see why you're smiling he just wanted to chat for like two yeah. or three minutes and you know i could tell it was because he hadn't had I mean, a lot of those interactions for like two years or so yeah and people are ready you know so people are ready to move on i think people yeah. are ready to move on after this time um but i don't think we have resolved all of the issues that have come up yeah. from this. I think some of them are still ongoing, certainly for our employment situation and then other aspects of social life. Yeah. Uh, these things, these uh, legacies of the pandemic remain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm concerned. Um, 
I think I may have heard you mention something like this, that it could cause people to like, yeah, think everything's fine now. And it might be harder to get our voice heard about what's happening with us Mm -hmm. because like when things are happening, people are like, Oh, things are happening here. They're happening there, happening there, happening there. But now it's like things go back to normal. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go hiking. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm not going to worry about it. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. So it's, it might be harder to, it's almost like we have to double down with sharing things and talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 No. And and that's very much what the BCPS employees for freedom are, are intent on doing is sharing those stories, real stories, human stories of BC public servants and, and how they serve the public and the impact that this mandate is having on them. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, people are motivated to listen to something or to do something about something if more so if it, affects them personally and directly you know yeah and sure. the way i guess some of the the measures around the pandemic we rolled out have rolled out has been to kind of limit the impact to some people but make it very big for others and so there hasn't been that kind of i don't know feeling of like shared you know experience with Mm -hmm. what people are going through but in sharing our stories people can share in the experience too right and so that's that's why we're doing it yeah right right okay so how do people and who can still join the group Mm -hmm. so yeah right now any um member of the uh, employee of the bc public service for the provincial government ministry central agency um, crown corporations uh even um uh, tribunals boards offices there's many different organizations within the provincial government but yeah. they comprise what we call the bc public service right. um may may join the, the group go to the website and and go through the registration process. Like I mentioned, the the group, which is now transitioning into a not-for-profit society, is working on uh, a way of inviting members into the society who are employees of organizations across the broader public sector. Um, so, so that's sort of still to come. But um, we know that this we're in constant contact with uh, colleagues across the broader public sector, you know, whether they're in the healthcare field, education, public safety, uh, transportation, what have you. Mm. And um, they are all being affected in much the same way we are. And so we want to work with people to advocate for those um, fundamental rights, medical privacy, bodily autonomy, employment rights, contract law. So, yeah. So if it's, it, what about like, if someone's like, if someone's still working mm-hmm. and they had, they had revealed if they had gotten mm-hmm. vaccinated or not. And there's, so now they're still working and they, um, like, are there criteria, I guess is what I'm asking. Mm. Are there criteria that like, <laughs> yeah, the, I working? guess the criteria would be, uh, do you believe in and support medical privacy and bodily autonomy? So that's it. So they can be working. They could have gotten the shot. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it's not only for the people who are (laughs) struggling financially without a job. No, not at all. Yeah, no, we welcome 
and we have many members who are still working full time, okay. um, either because they have exemptions or they are indeed vaccinated. Mm. Um, but they are all people who agree that we felt like we've lost something with how right. this has been implemented and that, that has been medical privacy and bodily autonomy and people uh, feel strongly that they would like to recuperate that. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's an aspect of life that I think we've you know all taken for granted mm -hmm. up until now, but it's something that people in the past have fought very hard for. Uh, and to see it just sort of vanish so quickly and without much opposition is a yeah. real shame in, in our view. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. So that's, that's a good thing to remember that anyone who's interested in the cause, they can be like, it, it's, it's not about losing your job because you're not vaxxed or, or this. It's about just medical privacy, bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. And if you're on board. Yeah. We think most people support those things. Yeah. actually yeah um and so you know if if you find in the future and you're working for an employer and they mandate a certain medical treatment or something that you don't feel comfortable with but if you don't go along with it that you will be fired then that is why we exist mm -hmm. right <laughs> is okay. to help you with that and mm -hmm. uh to help others and we know we're stronger in numbers and we just want to, yeah, encourage people to think about those things and to to value them because we, we often don't realize what we've lost until we've lost it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, we take things for granted and, and those are very important things uh, to have because we have different, very different kind of society or, or life when uh, you don't have privacy, medical privacy, or bodily autonomy. And, right. we, you know, you don't have to think too hard about what that, that could look like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's for sure. That's totally true. Um, okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Or... Um, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I enjoy public service and I've done it for a number of years. I hope to be able to continue serving the public. What do you like about it? I like uh, working with people. I like, you know, helping to solve problems, bringing groups of people together, facilitating decision making, mm. seeing cool things happen. So like I mentioned earlier um, <clears throat> that I received an award for some work that I did just after I was put on leave without pay. And that work was uh, around a minister mandate commitment in my ministry to develop a new grant program for uh, post-secondary students going okay. to university and college in BC. And that was like a really interesting project because it started with an idea that government had about something it wanted to do. But it th that idea wasn't, was, wasn't really practical in terms of implementing it because public service already had a program kind of like what they were envisioning. So we went away and did some research and identified some of the gaps, barriers, tensions, issues that that students were having with accessing post-secondary and having enough financial assistance to do that and the right kind of financial assistance to do that. And we came back with some options to government and they're like, yeah, this is great. We love this idea. This is even better than the idea we originally had. <laughs> Go forth and make it happen. And not only that, make it happen like right now. Um, and That's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so it was really cool. Like it was all based on great research and this whole team working on this. And I was kind of leading the team. And um, we went through it and we ended up delivering it right 
kind of in the height of the pandemic at the beginning and, and oh, like okay. sort of, well, February, March, uh, 2020. And then it formally launched for students in, in June, July of, of that year. And, and that was a time when, you know, there was a lot of concern financially for people. So government was rolling out new benefit programs, financial mm -hmm. programs to support people who lost jobs or, you know, in some cases, students weren't able to go to schools, schools were shut down, whatever. And so we managed to do all of that in the midst of the pandemic. And it was a, it was a great success. And it was a big change, like in the student financial assistance program that hadn't really changed much for about 15 years or so. And it really helped lower and middle income students to better access, afford and complete post-secondary education and oh, training. Nice. And uh, so it was good. And then we ended up being nominated for a premier's award for evidence-based design. And then we ended up winning that award. And then I was notified that we'd won the award like a week after being put on leave without pay. Uh, so Were you allowed to go in and get it? No. Uh, well, it was in the pandemic. So like normally they have like an award ceremony. You okay. get to meet the premier and shake their hand, yeah. take your picture and get like a little plaque and whatever. Um, but that wasn't the case. It was a virtual award ceremony. So they would just kind of announced the name. So the premier announced it was on YouTube. It was streamed. And then, yeah, I, so there's no in-person thing. So it was kind of sad because, you know, you work with a team of people on something and you have mm. a success and you want to celebrate it, but no one was kind of able to get together to do that. And I was on leave without pay by then. And so, yeah, just the other day I got my certificate in the mail. So, okay. <laughs> so I have that. There you go. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> That's really cool though. Yeah. I can see like, I can see the, the reward of that, like helping people like that like it's very satisfying and and like i'm making a difference like there's worth to it right yeah and i can see how uh that that could make you feel good yeah, yeah. Like well that's what public service should be about you're yeah. serving the public trying to improve things or make make someone's life better yeah you know i've always been kind of in service job whether it's retail or whatever and now it's just kind of in yeah. a different in a different format um, and it's gratifying. Like it's not because mm -hmm. you're making the big bucks. You don't mm -hmm. actually make like the really big bucks working in the, in the public sector. If you want to make a lot of money, go work in the private sector like right. for a bank or something. Um, but you get something intangible out of it in terms of that gratification of, mm -hmm. of improving, hopefully your community, the lives of the individuals in it and just making things go better. You know, like yeah. that's what I got from my job. Yeah. That's great. Well, I hope it uh, works out for you and you can enjoy it again. Thank you. I hope so too. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to cover? Oh, this is great. That was good. Okay. So I guess the things are for people to go to the website. They can check out uh, the videos. Um, I guess go to the YouTube. Are they all on there? Or is there more on there? Mm -hmm. More on the YouTube channel? Yeah, more and more every day. Okay. And the YouTube channel is... <laughs> BCPS Employees for Freedom. BCPS Employees for Freedom. And there's Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was just on the main page here and then I lost it. Oh, wow. I clicked on something else. There's a lot of stuff on this website. Go to the website. Yeah. People go to bcpsforfreedom.com. And then uh, share, tell your uh, friends about it. Go to the Take Action tab and you can donate um, for the fundraising help the cause and i hope people uh get the word out there so that this can possibly change i appreciate that all right thanks a lot philip thank you my Take friend it easy Whoa, there we go <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's that uh wild times here in bc 
people out of work simply for having a belief that their personal medical information should be private and should be their choice to share. Um, I don't even know what to say anymore about it. So I hope that was informative and enlightening. And I hope you take the time to actually dig in and check out their website, uh, bcpsforfreedom.com. That's where you can read about what's going on. Um, there's an update on the injunction that Philip mentioned was going to be happening on the website. And you can also donate at the website there at the Rally Up. So also check out their YouTube channel, BCPS Employees for Freedom. And you can watch and share the testimonials with people so that, that people can actually see that these are real people that are being affected and it's affecting lives. So, yeah, I hope you will take the time to learn and support them. Now, a quick shout out for the podcast. If you can support us in any way, just click on one of the links in the episode description or drop by the website at governthis.ca. You can buy us a coffee, you can buy us a beer, or drop us some of that overflowing pocket change to support our time, energy, and equipment costs. We appreciate it all, so thank you very much. You can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this, and on Twitter at WeGovernThis. So if you liked what you've heard and think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, Stay strong and stay curious.